back to 1 Peter chapter number 1. I'd only planned preaching one message out of that. And I actually got so caught up into the introduction that I built a message out of that on how to go through the fire and not smell like the smoke. How many are still trying to keep the smoke off of you? Boy, I know I am. And it's hard to do it in some Baptist churches. Can I get an amen? But And then from that, we preached about being in the crucible and the fiery trials of faith. But I'm not done here. I, 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 I'm not done here. I need to go back. And we need to look at verse number 8. There's a little phrase found in verse number 8. Honest, it's like dynamite going off in my soul. And I'm going to try to deliver this in a, uh, a decent way. But if I break down and cry and then have me a shouting spell, I'll be all right. I ain't going to hurt nobody. But it's just, it's big in me. I, I can't get over this. This one, whew, God have mercy. That one little phrase here, it's just, it's got a hold of him and won't let go. Now, we know that the human writer, the Holy Spirit, is inspired to write this as Simon Peter. And not to rehash our other messages, but we all know that Simon Peter knew what it was to be humiliated. He knew what it was to literally fail the Lord. He, he, he really knew what it was to be in a fire. And remember now, by the fire... He denied the Lord, but it was by fire at Pentecost that he got right with the Lord. So if anybody could write verse 7 about the fiery trials of faith, it's got to be this man by the name of Simon Peter. But does anybody remember back in the four Gospels before he ever denied the Lord by that fire? Now, do you remember that day when Jesus was trying to talk to him? And he said, Simon, Simon. He called his name twice. Simon, Simon. Now, the Lord calls your name one time, listen, he calls it twice, perk up both ears. And he said, Simon, the devil desires to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But then he said, I've prayed for thee. And notice what he said, that thy faith fail not. And I've heard people say, I've heard people say, not Christian people, but I've heard non-believers say that, you know, that's a discrepancy. I've never heard a Holy Ghost-filled believer ever say anything that dastardly about the Bible, that there are contradictions in it. Anybody filled with the Holy Ghost is going to believe every word in this book. Can I get an amen right there? But I've heard him say this. I've heard him say this. See, that's a discrepancy. Jesus prayed that his faith didn't fail, but yet he cursed and swore that he didn't know the Lord. His faith didn't fail. His mind failed. His spirit failed. His emotions failed. He had a meltdown. He had a burnout. Brother, there's not a person in this room without the touch and the Holy Ghost on your life. You'll have a burnout. You'll have a meltdown. You'll pitch the awfulest fit you've ever seen. Let me ask you this. When he got full of the Holy Ghost on Pentecost, he didn't do that no more, did he? I'm telling you, his spirit, his heart, his emotions were shambled. But he still had his faith. And you say, how do you know that? Because I got a text. You ready? First Peter chapter number one. In verse number seven, he talks about that fiery trial. Remember? Being more precious than of gold. But then he moves into verse number eight immediately talking about how he loves Jesus. And now he's got the joy of the Lord. How in the world can anybody go through what Simon Peter went through and say, I love the Lord and I've got the joy of the Lord. I can tell you this through the years, 38 years of pastoring this little church. I've seen some of you guys 
bury young'uns, bury family members, have diseases in your body. I've seen you go through about every myriad of manifold trouble a man can go. You still love God. I've seen you out there with your hand up while ago. We shall see Jesus. You know, how does somebody love the Lord and, and have the joy of the Lord, even though they've gone through 40 acres of torment? Something pulls them through. And it's not their emotions. It's not even their intellect. It's their faith that fails not. And I don't want to reemphasize this too much because I don't want to be repetitious, but aren't you glad when the fiery trials come, at least you have a faith that can be tried? And I really believe this, Buford. The reason why a lot of people don't have any fiery trials of faith, you've got to have something before you can try it. So don't you get your eyes on the prosperity of the foolish and the prosperity of the wicked, the prosperity of the heathen. Well, they don't, have any, they don't ever have any fiery trials of faith. You remember, they may not have a faith to be tried. But I'm glad that we do. And how does Simon Peter talk about loving the Lord and having joy in the midst of fiery trials? Here's my statement. It, it's got a hold of me. Watch verse 8. First Peter chapter 1, verse number 8. Whom having, whom having not seen, ye love. And whom though now ye see him not, underline these next two words and go ahead and have a shout and spell. Say it with me. Yet believing. Glory to God. Yet believing. You rejoice with joy unspeakable and what kind? And full of glory. All the things Simon Peter has gone through has not destroyed his faith in God. And you know what we think? We think our bank account is the devil's target, but it's not. We think our family, so to speak, is all the devil wants to destroy but it's not. We think our physical health is what the devil wants to destroy, and that's all. But can I tell you, your bank account, your family, your home, your marriage, your life, your health, your nerves, your mind, that's all side targets. You know what the tin ring is in the devil's target? Your faith in God. That's why Job's wife told him, Job, if you'll just deny your faith, curse God and die, you know, you can get this over with. But you read the book of Job and he lost everything on the verge of even his marriage. But yet in all of this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. In fact, he made this statement in the 15th chapter, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Job is living proof you can lose everything and still have your faith. Simon Peter is living proof you can pull up, a, I'm telling you, you can make the biggest mess of something and seem to suffer for it in every area of your life. But yet when the last shot is fired and the dust is settled and the smoke is cleared, you still have your faith in God. I, I, I'm really not impressed if, Job would have, if, Job, if, if Simon Peter would have said, I'm still preaching. I wouldn't have been impressed if he said, I'm still singing. 
I really wouldn't be impressed if he said, I'm still tithing. But you know what he said after the fiery trial of his faith? Yet believing. Yet believing. Yet believing. Can I remind you that that Simon Peter believed in God before the fire, during the fire, and on the other side of the fire? Can I remind you tonight, you were God's child before the fire. You're still God's child during the fire. And you'll still be God's child on the other side of the fire. There's things in my life I have absolutely no control over. The way people do, the way people act, I have no control over that. The sickness or the disease that comes in and out of our bodies, I have no control of that. All the pillage the devil wants to do in your family and in mine, I have no control of that. But this one thing that I do want the devil to hear, yet believing, yet believing, yet believing. Some of you right now needed to say to the circumstances and the storms and the devil and all the hell that's ruining your life, take what you will, damage what you will, but down on the inside where the blood has been applied and the Holy Spirit lives, yet believing, yet believing, yet believing, yet believing. May I remind you in a world that's falling apart by the seams, the devil cannot destroy our faith in God. God, hallelujah, goes right there. Yet, believing. Ma'am, and I began to read this chapter in its entirety. No wonder this man could have such unshakable faith on the other side of getting the nicknames, Simon Peter, the great denier. The one that made a seemingly wreck of his life by the fires of the devil. The fiery trials burnt everything out of his life except his faith. Glory to God. The very thing that Jesus said, it's not going to fail you, it's not going to fail you, it's not going to fail you, is the very thing that did not fail him was his faith. Well, the devil wants more than your money. He wants more than your kids. He wants more than your health. He wants you to curse God, turn your back on God, deny God, sever your time with God, and denounce your faith in God. But I wonder if there's anybody in this tabernacle this morning, you are glad that your hope is built not on your finances, not on your wealth, not on your health, but my faith still holds to the Christ of Calvary. Well, glory. Say that little phrase with me till it gets in your head and it keeps you up tonight. Yet believing. Yet believing. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. You answer it with one phrase. Yet believing. How come you're in church today? How come you still love the Bible today? How many of you still believe and praise in the Lord? How many of you love Jesus? How many had a hard time but you still love God? Yet believing, yet believing. That's why some of you can walk through the deepest dark valleys I've ever seen anybody walk through and then Sunday morning walk in this building and sit in your seat and put a smile on your face and with a bunch of redneck, I mean with a bunch of great guys get up and sing a great gospel song. You clap, you smile, you've got your hand in the air because what may come or what may go, what's uncontrollable and unstoppable. I'm glad I'm yet believing, yet believing, yet believing. I'm glad the fiery trials of my faith did not consume my faith in God. 
And I want to find out how a man can have such undestructible faith. Well, he points out four things in this one chapter. And I'm going to try to squeeze in 20 hours of Bible study into 20 minutes. How many is going to pray I can get that done? How can a man go through the fiery trout? Shane, the only reason why you're saying you're back me up, you're a paid staff, okay. Everybody else comes by volunteer. Okay, here we go. But how can a man go through the fiery trial of faith and say, yet believing? Well, the answer to that is found, first of all, in verse 23, down through verse number 35. Verse 23 down to verse number 25. Write this down. He has a regeneration that is permanent. How can a man go through the fiery trial of his faith and still say, yet believing? Because in verse 23, something happened to him. And I hope it's happened to you. And if it's not happened to you, it can before this service comes to a close. Notice what he said in verse number 23. Say it with me. Being born again. Being born again. How did you get born again, Simon? Not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. And he just made a little discourse right here. A little, little, little cherry on the whipped cream. For all flesh is grass, and the glory of man is as the flower of grass. And the grass withereth, and the flower thereof faileth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And say the last line with me. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Simon Peter, I don't understand how you can go through the fiery trial of your faith and make a wreck out of your life and be sifted by the powers of hell, but yet on the other side say, yet believing, yet believing. How do you do that? He said, hey, something happened to me that I've never gotten over. What is it, Simon Peter? I got born again. I got regenerated. The very life of God was imputed into this dead sinner. And it's by the seed of the word of God which lives and abides forever. I want to tell you, want to see you through the dark times. Want to pull you through the ditches and trenches of life. It's praise God somebody lives in us. We've been made a new creature. And we've got more than religion and church membership, brother. We have been born again by the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. And we call it in the Word of God, regeneration. When God comes into you and births you into the family of God. I remember when Daddy resigned his church in Reedsville, North Carolina. I was 16 years old and we moved to Marion, Virginia. We had to get everything changed over. And my dad, his whole marriage, had a personal accountant and a maid and a cook and a dresser and a washer and an ironer and a business manager and a speaker of his house, mother. 
In fact, I saw the way my mother babied my father all my life. So when I met Miss Arthur, I said, I want you to come see my family. I, I wanted her to meet dad and I wanted her to meet mom, but I wanted her to watch mom. Bob, it is what it is. That was my ulterior motive. I want her, Lonnie, to watch mom, baby dad, lay his clothes out, put his food on his plate, salt and pepper it for him, cut it up, wipe his little mouth, call him honey and sweetie. You young fellas, forget it. All them kind of women are gone. You two got anything you want to say? And so we got in the car. I said, well, what do you think? She said, drop dead suckers. What I think, it ain't happening. And this world and all the world to come. But I remember my mama never could drive. My mama can't drive to this day. Someone said, why don't you teach your mother to drive? If you've ever met my mom, and she'll be watching in a moment. If you've ever met my mother, you know why in the name of safety of humanity. Because my mama would probably drive like she does everything else, wide open. So I take mom down to the insurance office. We're getting everything transferred. I've just been called to preach, and you know how a young preacher is. A lot of zeal with no knowledge. And so that man said to my mother, said, Miss Arthur, Brother Arthur, your husband, when is his birthday? And I spoke up and I said, excuse me, sir, reach one. Dad has two. That guy said, say that again. I said, dad's got two birthdays. He said, really? I said, yeah, the first time he was born was in February of 1929. I said, but according to what I've heard him say my whole life, in March of 1957, he got born again. I said the first time he was born, he was born by the blood and the flesh and the will of Henry and Mamie Arthur. I said, but the last time he was born, he was born of the will of God and the blood of Christ and the Holy Spirit. I said the first time he was born, he was born to live down here. But the last time he was born, he was born to live up there. And I said the first time he was born, he was born to die. But the second time he was born, he was born to live forever. He said, oh, you mean he got religion? I said, no, I mean he got saved. And I'm glad that happened to my father. But I'm glad that Thursday night in Reedsville, North Carolina, in the month of June 1979, this lost religious preacher's boy got more than baptized. I got more than joined the church. I did more than repeat something after somebody. Brother, I got born again. Old time salvation knocked out the gable into my soul. And I've been born again. I have been regenerated. The very life of God. The very life of God. God indwells me and when your mind fails and when your heart fails and your money can't buy it and your patience runs out and you run amok and you make a mess of it I'll tell you what to pull you through the life of God the presence of the Holy Ghost that stand on the inside because you have been born again I'm glad the fire did not destroy his regeneration thank God by the incorruptible seed of the word of God. You know how we have eternal life? Because it was begotten by eternal seed. Every skinny person I know 
that doesn't eat at the varsity and doesn't eat at Krispy Kreme and doesn't have a Dr. Pepper or a Coca-Cola habit but still has heart trouble. I don't understand that. Skinny people ain't supposed to have heart trouble. It's because of what we eat and our lifestyle. Am I right? But when somebody that's skinny and eats right and exercises, can I just add this? Don't you have a little reservation in your heart about liking people like that? That eats anything they want, exercises and never, I mean, you know, they're just, but if they have heart problems, 99% of the time, it's not their diet. It's not their lifestyle. It's hereditary. It runs in their family. Brother Landon, that's what scared your father. Your father don't eat like most people on our staff. Your father does not. Your father doesn't eat like most of us. He watches his weight. He exercises, but. Your grandfather had it, and the grandfather before him, and your father, and, and you probably got it too right now going on in your life. I want you to feel real good about this message. But, but it's hereditary. It's hereditary. Some of you are diabetics because it runs in your family. Some families have a history of certain diseases. It's just passed from generation to generation. Let me tell you something. You may not have heart disease. You may not have cancer. You may not have diabetes. You may not even be crazy. But there is a common flaw shared by every person under the sound of my voice in this building and through the radio that will be played later and the watching of the internet. There is a common malady that we all are filled with and it's called an Adamic nature, a sin in nature, lost and undone without God because the seed that produced us has been under a curse since Eden's garden. But I'm glad that second birth I had, somebody help me right there. I'm glad that new birth I had, it's holy seed. It's incorruptible seed of the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. I gotta die one day physically and go to the graveyard because the seed of my mother and my father are contaminated and corrupt. But I'm glad when this life is over, I'll live forever in the city of God, singing the praises of God, because the eternal seed of the Word of God has birthed me into the family of God, and I'll live forever in the city of God because I have been born again by incorruptible seed, which is the Word of God, and it lives and abides forever. His faith didn't fail him because he had a regeneration that is permanent. Number two, back up in the text, look in verse number 18, verse number 19. The second thing, the fire didn't burn, listen to this. He had a redemption that was purchased. Not only has this man's undestructible faith built on his regeneration, but thank God it's built on his redemption. He belongs to somebody. Can I say that again? He belongs to somebody. And he belongs to that somebody because that somebody purchased him and bought him. And it's called redemption. Brother Shane, I said this behind your back. I'll say it to your face. Two Sundays ago, you preached one of the greatest sermons I've ever heard on the doctrine of redemption right here from this pulpit. 
And I'm glad I have been redeemed. Here's what pulled Simon Peter through. Not his spirit, not his mind, not his heart, not his emotions, not his flesh. Here's what got him through. Look in verse 18 of chapter number 1, verse 18 to 19. For as much as you know, stop right there. I'm glad I know it. Oh, let me say, I'm glad I know him. For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain, empty, worthless conversations, lifestyles, traditions received by the tradition of your father. Verse 19, it gets real big right here. What pulled him through? What made his faith shakable but yet unshakable? Verse 19, read it with me, church. But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without spot and without blemish, brother. I want to tell you, he wrecked his life. He embarrassed himself. He disappointed Jesus. He went through the fiery trial of his faith. But on the other side of it, he could write, yet believing, yet believing, yet believing. I lost my testimony. I lost my influence. But I didn't lose my faith. I didn't lose my faith because I got a redemption that's been purchased. He purchased me with his blood. He bought me with his blood. I belong to him because of the blood. I want to tell you what got Simon Peter through it was the blood of Jesus Christ and I want to tell you I want to get all of us through the darkest day of our life thank God it's still the blood the precious blood of Christ has bought us purchased us redeemed us we belong to him through the power of the blood if you're here this morning and you lean towards Calvinism you may need to take two or three valiums before we leave But you'll get over it. You'll survive. You'll survive. At Calvary, Jesus paid the debt for every man. Okay, your argument, your time. Okay, then, Pastor, how come all men are not saved? My turn. How many today would like to come up to me and say, Pastor, I heard you want to bless me. And pastor, I heard that you wanted to go down to the Ford dealership or the Chevrolet dealership or, Donnie, the Dodge dealership and buy me a brand new four-wheel drive truck. Last time I checked, brand new ones are between 55 to 75. Ford's got one that's 125. When I was a boy, a pickup truck was something you hunted out of and threw fish guts in the back of it. And of course, Daddy had a Dodge, so we used it for a trash truck, true. Just kidding, that being the company. But suppose you come up and say, Preacher, I heard you wanted to bless me. And I went down, let's just, sit, let's just meet somewhere in the middle, and I bought you a Toyota. <laughs> it will last 500,000 miles. You can't even give one away after you tear it up. And I go down to the dealership, any one of your choice, and I buy you a $55,000 brand new truck. How many wish today that would happen? Put your hand down because it ain't happening. I can purchase it, pay for it, have them clean it, have them polish it, have them wax it, and it's yours. I give it to you. But it 
ain't yours until you sign the title and jump in the truck and drive it off. I can buy you the most, I can buy you a Rolls Royce. I can buy you a Marcerati. How do you say that? I can't even read it. It's going by so fast. I can buy you a home on Lake Spivey. I can, I, no, I can't either. But somebody with money could purchase you the most wonderful home or the most wonderful car in all the world and literally buy it for you. But it's really not yours until you sign the title and take possession and live in it or drive it off. I paid for it, but you got to claim it. Somebody paid for it, baby doll, but you got to claim it. Oh, at Calvary, hallelujah, Jesus paid the debt for every man, paid the debt, bought our redemption, but it ain't yours until you claim it. And by the way, I claim mine today in the name of the Father, the Son, and the sweet Holy Spirit. I'm glad he died for me, and I'm glad I laid a claim on it. It's purchased for every man, but it becomes yours the moment you say, yes, to Jesus. So therefore, if someone dies without Christ and goes to hell, it's not God's fault. It's not Jesus' fault. It's yours. Because you got to claim what he bought. I wonder if there's anybody in this room this morning, you have staked claim on what he bought at Calvary. I mean, I've been going to church my whole life. I went to church nine months before I was born. I mean, I've heard all my life, Jesus paid it all. I've heard choirs and congregations all my life sing Jesus paid it all. I will never forget when Bill Gaither's song came out. The old rugged cross made the difference. First Sunday, somebody sung out at our church. My mama's Pentecostal come out in her. She shouted all over that place. If she'd have been here Friday night and Sandy got a cut loose on that, oh, Lord. Lord, we would have been we we would have been the blunting of all the jokes in town. They actually shout over there. Yes, we got something to shout about. Man, I've heard my daddy give the plan of salvation. And I've heard my daddy preach on the substitutionary death of Christ. That Christ died for sinners. And he went to the cross for sinners. But somehow in my mind, I'm thinking for them sinners. And y'all sinners. And all them other sinners. But all that night when it got personal to me, it was my sin that sent him to the cross. It was my sin that put nails in his body. And it was my redemption that he purchased. It was my salvation. Somebody help me. That he finished. He became real to me. I'm ready to taste debt for every man. I'm ready to pay the debt for every man. But it does not become yours until you accept what he done on a personal level. I'm glad I've been regenerated and I'm glad I've been redeemed. That's why he could say on the other side of tragedy, yet believing, yet believing, yet believing. Because he had a regeneration that was permanent. He had a redemption that was purchased. I won't spend much time here, but look in verse number 7 and 8 again. I love this. He had a relationship that was precious. He had a relationship that was precious. Look at what he said in verse number 7. That the trial of whose faith? Sounds personal to me. That the trial of your 
being much more precious than gold, than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Once again, our text, whom have they not seen, yet love. Anybody in this room today love Jesus? If you're not ashamed of him, raise one hand and say, praise the Lord. You love Jesus. Whom you love, though you see him not, said with me again, yet believing, you rejoice. But I'm going to just tell you, you don't get no more precious in verse 8. With joy unspeakable and full of glory. He didn't write this before he denied the Lord. He didn't write this before the fires of hell were turned loose in his life. He writes this on the other side of the fire. He writes this on the other side of tragedy. God help us. He writes that after having the guts and life stomped out of him. Woo! Joy. I ain't supposed to do that. Let me back up. Whoop. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Brother Shane, it would be amazing to me that he even wrote about joy on the other side of this. But that kind, unspeakable. What do you mean by that, Simon Peter? He said, it's a good, I can't even tell you about it. I can't even come up with the words to describe this. Lord, how mercy have you ever ate a meal? And it's like, there's no words to describe. But the way you ate, eating speaks louder than words. Boy, have you ever had a moment in your life, I mean like, wow, how do I even explain this? And, 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 and I don't want to embarrass anybody, but just, we're home folks. We're friends, we're family. We weep together, we cry together. But bless God, one day we're going home together. And I'm looking at some of you. And I know the hell you've been through. I know the trouble and the trials that's burned and ravished in your family and in your life and in your body and in your mind. As limited as I was, I said, slide over. Let me walk with you. Let me carry some of it. And I felt so inadequate more than once that you're here this morning and you're not bitter and you don't stink like smoke and anger and revenge and you still got a Bible and you still want to go to church and you still get a blessing when the humpy, dumpy, lumpy, pumpy sing. I want to see Jesus. You got something. You got something. And I want to know what it is. And you, you, you would tell me. I can't explain it. I got it, but I can't explain it. Well, what is it? It sings in the darkness. It holds you in the tempest. It keeps you from going under and losing your star-graven mind. What is it? It's joy unspeakable and full of glory because it's a relationship that is more precious than the gold and silver in this world. This is what I call one of these abundant life verses. I wrote this down. You remember what Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it. What? Not just abundant, but what? Well, this is one of them more than abundant life verses. Not just life, but life more abundant. 
Not just peace, but peace that passeth all understanding. Not just kindness, but loving kindness. Can I say that one again? Not just kindness, loving kindness. Not just a cup, and not just a full cup, but my cup runneth over. Not just salvation, not just great salvation, but Hebrews 7, so great salvation. Listen to this statement God give me. Cannot be explained, but can be experienced. If I wanted a dignified Baptist, I believe I'd shout right there. And if you'd ag me on just a little, I might lose my dignity. Oh, I must admit it is unspeakable that God could love a sinner like me. It is unspeakable that Jesus would die for an unworthy sinner like me. It is unspeakable that he forgive me of all my past sins, all my present sins, and all my future sins. It is unspeakable to me that I can go through the fire, my family go through the fire, and a minister go through the fire, and on the other side of the fire, we're still singing, and we're still praising God. It is unspeakable. I can't explain it, but there's people in this room today, you have experienced it. Oh, I wish I could sing again. My singing career was over before it ever got started, and I know that. I've even thought about learning how to rap. Because you ain't got to sing to do that. It is joy unspeakable. How do you rap? Hannah, don't you laugh at me. I know I can't rap, so I'll do a recitation. It is, oh Lord, just let me sing a little bit. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. All the half has never yet been told. Amen. You say, I like country. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full. <laughs> What'd you say? No, that ain't better than George Jones. You, you forget that, buddy. You say, I'm more in the proper scale. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory. Hey, whether you wrap it, whether you tap it, or whether you, whatever you do with it, aren't you glad there's somebody that lives in you and your past has been erased and old time salvation through the Holy Ghost and the Word of God and the blood of Christ is real. And when your mind fails and when your nerve fails and when your finances fail and your health fails, I'm telling you there's a faith by God Almighty that will not fail and on the other side you'll say yet believing yet believing yet believing Lord have mercy I'm so excited about to put my glasses upside down thank God I have a regeneration that's permanent a redemption that is purchased a relationship that is precious but closing this morning come back to verse 4 and verse number 5 here's what will pull you through He had a reservation that was promised. 
I'll tell you what pulled him through this life. Because he had something on the other side better than this life. What is it? Well, because I've been regenerated, because I've been redeemed, because I have a relationship, I have a reservation. Look in verse 4. Here's where we're going, church. To an inheritance. Incorruptible. Undefiled. That fadeth not away. Underline this. Say it with me, church. Reserved. In heaven. For you. And here's how I know that I know that my faith is going to get me through. Who are kept by their finances. Who are kept by their great wealth. Who are kept by who they are and who they know and their safety net. Who are kept. By the power of God. Come on, else read the rest of it. Through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Simon Peter, the fire has burned everything out of you your pride, your ego, your testimony, your influence, your self esteem. And if God don't help you, Simon Peter, we'll never hear from you again. But God takes him to Pentecost. Fills him with Holy Ghost, fire and wind. And on the other side of the darkest day of his life, he writes, yet believing. Simon Peter, where do you stand with God after all this trouble? Yet believing. What got you through all of that, my faith? You mean it wasn't destroyed? No. Because I realized whatever I lost, you get this, whatever I lost down here was not worthy to be compared to what I have over there. Let him describe it to you in verse 4. What's it like, Simon Peter? Incorruptible. What is it like? Undefiled. What is it like? It fadeth not away. How do you know it's yours? He said, I've got a reservation. I got a reservation. And I'm not a Calvinist nor even the son of a Calvinist, but you hear your pastor this morning through the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. There will be no empty mansions in heaven and there will be no vacant places at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Every soul that trusted Christ and their faith is not destroyed through the fire will wind up one day at the table on the sunny banks of sweet deliverance. Heaven will be worth it all and it is ours through knowing Jesus Christ. I, I was reminded of this by Brother Jerry earlier this morning. We was talking about Brother Jack Hughes, Papa Jack. When everything in his life, his mind, his health, everything, gone. We went into that little hospice room where he was. 
Actually, it was at his house, and hospice was there. And I, I leaned over here. I was his pastor over 30 years. I, I think he died around my 29th anniversary. And I said, Brother Jack, you know me? No, I don't think I do. I pointed to Jerry. I said, you know him? He said, I wished I didn't. Barbara, I felt so sorrowful. She leaned over and kissed. She said, you know me, don't you, baby? He said, well, you look familiar. We was all about to lose it, man. And I said, Jerry, you watch this right here. I put my nose on his nose. I said, Papa Jack, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Tell him what he said. He said, I reckon I do. He saved my soul. I'm done. If I preach two more minutes, I'm going to embarrass myself and strip my voice because I'm about that close to having me some kind of conniption fit. God is good. He is worthy. And the Bible and the Holy Ghost, Richard, and old time salvation is real. I'm glad you can walk through the darkest day of your life and come out on the other side singing, yet believe, yet believe. Anybody in this section been through hell backwards? Yet believe. Anybody in this section been through hell torment sideways? Yet believe. Anybody here in the real spiritual section where all the real, real saved people are? Anybody here been through hell backwards, man? Yet believe. What about over here? In this section here. Anybody here been through hell sideways? Yet believe. What about all the cigarette smokers and snuff dippers over here? Been, been through hell sideways, man. I mean, been through hell sideways and backwards. I used to say this. I used to say this. Been there and done that and got the t-shirt. I don't say that no more, Buford. I say been there and done that and got the scars. But on the other side of the scars, I just want the devil and the world to know. Yet believing, yet believing, yet believing, yet believing, yet believing. Because I got regeneration, I've got redemption, I've got a relationship. And I got reservations. There's nothing you can't give to God. And there's nothing you can't trust him with. Let's stand together. Lord, we love you today.